Hey everyone, my name is Brian and I'm one of the founders of AGC. We're a startup that is passionately pursuing the creation of a more generous future. Welcome again to A Generous Podcast. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and empower people to actually make the world a better place. I'm going to make today's intro particularly brief because today's guest on the podcast is, well, it's me. My friend, co-founder, 10-year NBA veteran, Mason Plumley thought it'd be good for you to hear a bit of my own heart in this endeavor, and so I'll be doing less of the question asking and more of the answering, giving you a glimpse into my own journey and passion behind why I'm helping found AGC. Taking on the hosting seat is my longtime friend, Josh Perez. You might recognize him because he was one of the founders of the clothing brand, Pedro and Taylor. He's heavy in the entrepreneurial scene. He's just one of those guys that everybody seems to know. Or you might even recognize him because he was on the front of the website for Stetson not too long ago. And he was gracious to step in and ask me a few questions. Before we dive in, always remember three things. One, giving a review on these podcasts is always tremendously helpful in expanding our reach and creating a more generous future. Two, you can follow along what we're building at our website at www.helloagc.com. You can sign up for our email list there and follow along closer. And then third, we put a ton of content out on Instagram at at agc.future. So it'd mean a lot if you give us a follow there. Thanks so much for joining us. Here's Josh and I's conversation. All right, here we are, Brian, Denver, Colorado. It's snowing. Normal, normal day that's right. coming from California. So normal late March in Denver. That's right. Um, yeah. For those who don't recognize this voice, Brian will have done an intro by now, but I am a Josh Perez. I'm a friend of Brian and Mason's and it'd be weird for Brian to interview himself. So here I am as a friend doing what a friend would do. Thanks for filling in. Of course. So I'm going to interview Brian and, uh, yeah, I've known you for a while. I'll get into a little quick story here shortly, but you've done some icebreaker questions. So I felt like it would be very appropriate to just kind of break the ice with you. And I'm curious as you've become friends with Mason, what's the, the biggest behind the scenes surprise about the NBA league? Boy, that's a great question. And I think it's the regularity to which guys get stopped in comparison to other leagues. Interesting. Like I've had relationships with guys who are in the Broncos and are other professional athletes, but at least when I'm out with Mason, it does not compare to the frequency with which he has stopped. And my, my part of my relationship with Mason is just being okay of being ready to be handed an iPhone by somebody because they want a picture with him. They don't want me included <laughs> and they need a photographer and it's going to be It's me. always you. And I'm totally okay with it. It doesn't hurt my feelings at all. <laughs> um, I'm not saying that sarcastically at all. It literally does not hurt my feelings. And yeah. Yeah, it's just going to happen all the time when we're out. Yeah, that's awesome. It's got to be the height compared yeah. to other sports. Yeah, yeah, for think, sure. You know, you just see Mason walk around and you're like, that yeah. guy, he's got to play something. For sure, for sure. Sweet, man. Well, yeah, we met back in 2009 or so. We were both in North Carolina. And, um, you know, when you started telling me about this business that you and Mason were trying to build called AGC and uh, a generous company, you know, I thought immediately, this is the right guy to build this thing with Mason. And I knew you first and then I've gotten to know Mason, but immediately just knew you're the right guy. And in 2009, I don't know if you remember, but 
I, we were just hanging out and one of our first conversations, I was telling you about Abby uh, coming to visit and she was living in Florida. I was in North Carolina and without hesitation, you said, where's she staying? And I just didn't really know exactly. And you're like, well, she can stay with us. And you and Megan were just some of the most hospitable hosts and no thought about it. You just hosted her, made, made her feel welcomed and just loved on her. And, you know, I'll never forget that. Like we, mm -hmm. we weren't close friends or anything. You just, it was just came from like a good place and you just wanted to do it. And so immediately I was like, this is, this is the right idea for the right founder mm -hmm. and it's a perfect fit. That being said, you know, you've, you've told me a lot about it. I've listened to a lot of episodes. Could you just tell people who are following along or listening to this, like what exactly are you trying to solve for and mm -hmm. also not trying to solve for? Cause you know, I, I know at a big picture AGC exists to create a more generous future to sure. your tagline. Mm -hmm. And you read that, but it's like, what exactly does that mean? What are you trying to solve for? Sure. I feel like it's easier to start with what we're not trying to okay. solve for. We're not just yeah. trying to be like a traditional nonprofit. We're not trying to step into the space where a lot of charitable giving comes, which is giving a lot of times larger amounts of money that are pre-planned to major foundations or churches. I think what, what's more enticing to Mason and I is the trends in which uh, it seems that generosity is headed away from large pre-planned established organizational giving and more towards spontaneous in the moment interpersonal the person right in front of you expressions of giving like i was looking at this earlier uh 57 percent of gen zers believe that it's better to give money to somebody who's right in front of you than rather than like a planned gift like there's just yeah. a higher degree of trust there's a high degree of uh, psychological reward. And what we've recognized, at least from all of our research, is there is very little data, strategy, or execution as it pertains to the way that those 57% of Gen Zers are going to be giving in that particular way. Interesting. So, you know, to take all that data and to express it in a, t a, a particular use case, you know, this is. You know, we're in the middle of, of downtown Denver right now. Uh, this is somewhere I lived for a dozen years. And there are a wide diversity of in-your-face uh, challenges that mm -hmm. somebody who might be socially conscious or wants to make the world a better place wants to do something about and they don't really know how. Yeah. And a lot of times the friction that relates to the generosity uh, leads to them not being generous at all. So, for example, there's a significant unhoused population in this neighborhood that I right. lived in for a dozen years. You know, that's these challenges are good in theory, but when you live close to it, like my family did, you recognize there's tremendous complexity and tension, and it's not just enough to like have a desire to help. You have to have kind of some strategies to actually implement this. And so a lot of times, people who have a heart for the homeless don't really know how to execute on that heart uh, because, you know... Somebody asks them for money and maybe they don't carry cash anymore. Maybe there's nervousness that pertains to giving large amounts yeah. of cash. There's that question in anybody's mind of what is this going to be used for? Right. I hope it's used for food or shelter and maybe it's not going to be. And then a lot of times the unfortunate consequence that happens is that person who actually wants to make the world a better place just does nothing because that's the easier solution in that moment. They're just trying to get from their house to work and they don't have 15 minutes to wrap their mind around this. So what we envision is creating solutions 
that make helping or people helping people as easy as possible and to empower somebody who has a genuine heart to want to help somebody in the moment actually be able to execute on that vision. Yeah. As long as I've known you, I, I've known you as like this generous individual or what do you think has either shaped you or helped you or why do you feel like you are just a, the right guy or right individual to be building towards a generous future? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you saying that. Um, you know, I feel like I've always kind of had my foot in these two different worlds. On one hand, I've kind of from my earliest memories known entrepreneurship. My dad started his own business when I was seven, eight years old. I mean, I, I have memories of being a kid and him, I mean, back then this was like the early mid nineties, him buying the computers for the office that came, you know, computers back then yeah. were huge and him having all the boxes at our house and like leaving them and us making like box forts and tunnels that took up That's like an awesome. entire basement yeah. and just having those experiences. My mom eventually worked for that business. I mean, he ran that business for, for 30 years. I worked for that business some, oh, wow. you know, during like Christmases, you yeah. know, at home and, and things like that. And so saw up close the experience of entrepreneurship, you know, the good and, and, the, and the hard, and, yeah. you know. I have a lot of memories of my mom, you know, on family vacations trying to navigate like payroll <laughs> uh, because like the payroll system was down yeah. and things like that. Uh, and it always had a heart for entrepreneurs. I, you know, I'd done some coaching for entrepreneurs. I'd helped a lot of people start things. Yeah. And then myself starting things had been kind of in the nonprofit world, you know, so, you know, the background yeah. of where I came from in the AGC was in uh, January, 2011, I moved to the very center of Denver and I started a church out of my house with, it was just me and my wife uh, at the time in a yeah. duplex and lived in the middle of the city with great proximity to the actual challenges of the world. So, yeah. you know, homeless people being my neighbors, a lot of the tensions of a transitioning neighborhood and a community, murders outside of where and, we were and living. And you were pretty connected to some of the organizations in the actual city, right? right? As Rhino or Denver was sort of whether it's gentrifying or whatnot, you were involved in some of these organizations in the actual city, right? Right, right. Yeah. So you get to see a lot of it directly yeah. firsthand. Like like living proximate to the actual problems of my community made a tremendous impact. And for me and my wife, and then, you know, we eventually had, we now have four kids, you know, raising a family proximate to that uh, bred both, I think, a level of empathy, but also sophistication and experience to be able to have a passion for this. So when I was transitioning out of my work and trying to figure out what I was going to do next, you know, Mason was one of the people I, I reached out to. I just had a few preliminary conversations because it was going to be a while. I gave like a six month kind of transition plan. Mason was one of the first conversations I had, and he had actually been having a weekly conversation with somebody about kind of dreaming about the creation of this organization and figuring out who who's going to step into doing this, right? Who's going to step into leading this? Because the problem is you have these two extremes, right? Sometimes people who have been exclusively in the nonprofit world, uh, maybe even just have a cynicism towards business or profit or money yeah. that doesn't make them a great fit. But people who have been exclusively in the for-profit world maybe don't have the, the heart, empathy, the empathy, even. the heart, or just even the experience of, hey, what is it like to have homeless people as your neighbors and knock on your door at two in the morning? And how do you navigate the tension of treating them as a human, but having healthy boundaries and protecting your family? I mean, those are complex things that are hard to navigate unless you've lived close to them. 
And so when Mason kind of presented this idea and, hey, I'm looking for somebody who can kind of bridge these two worlds, do you think you'd be somebody to do that? I was like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've kind of spent my entire life in these worlds. Bizarrely, it's always made me feel a bit like an outsider and I haven't really had a home. And then I get offered this and I'm like, oh, maybe I was just being prepared to do this. Yeah, and go out and build this. You know, you, you've mentioned your kids quite a bit and I'm curious if there's any, as you think about creating a better future and a more generous future, is there anything as someone who's trying to raise kids into a better future that sort of impacts like the, this generational thinking when it comes to AGC? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I, I have four kids right now when this airs, I have a nine, five, three and two year old. So my kids are on the whole, uh, little, yeah. you know, it is interesting cause we're filming this on a day or recording this on a day where there was a school shooting. The three kids that died are all the same age as my oldest daughter. They're all nine. And I, I think about you have these tragedies and there's this sense of helplessness, right? Of like, what do you do? And there's not easy solutions. There's not, you know, if you just do this, it goes away. But I think one of the things that burdens me is the degree to which people feel helpless to make the world a better place, right? And it just, it, 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 you can go to this place of fear that things are perpetually spiraling out of control. They're bad. They're only getting worse. And there's nothing we can do. And I think part of what I dream of and what we innovate and create is that people who, for example, experience the experience of today of like, you know, not just another school shooting, but a school shooting in elementary school. I think there's a lot of people who right now, as we're, as we're recording this, are like, I, I want to help. I don't know how. I don't know what to do. I want to comfort these people. Anybody who's in this community is experiencing trauma. Anybody who lives in Nashville, I've reached out to my friends who live in Nashville, is experiencing trauma. And there's this, there's all these different barriers to helping and supporting and encouraging and fighting back darkness with light, right? And infusing generosity where there's fear. And you see even the impact of the way that a generous moment alters the trajectory of somebody's life or comforts somebody in a moment of tragedy or fear. And so I think as we think about creating a more generous future, it's not just a cute tagline, it's a burden, yeah. you know, because I think for such a time as this, businesses need to be thinking thoughtfully and strategically about this to create a better future for our kids. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Is this something you guys have experimented? I mean, I I watched, uh, you know, if you just follow along on social media, on AGC's social media, I know you guys have tried some stuff. Could you, yeah. I, so I know you've experimented. What are some of those experiments? Sure. How did they work? What were some of the learnings and feedback as you guys are building you know, the future of AGC. Sure. So back towards the end of 2022 and the beginning of 2023, we tried these different uh, generosity, we just called them generosity experiments or generosity MVPs. Different cities all over the country. Yeah. yeah. So we did, uh, you know, uh, LA, we did uh, Charlotte, we did in the Midwest, we did uh, Denver, we did outside of Denver. And we ran these different experiments because I think that one of the things that we've learned is that as it pertains to spontaneous generosity, what's interesting is that a lot of times spontaneous generosity is newsworthy, but there's almost no data around it. It's interesting. Everyone gets really excited, but there's no sort of data, right? It's yeah, exactly. So, you know, take, for example, the pay it forward experience, right? Yeah. Around the holidays, there will always be, you know, some story that goes viral of the person that, uh, you know, is going through the Starbucks drive through and they pay for their coffee and they pay for the coffee of the car behind them. And then that person is so moved by it, they pay for the person behind them. You know, maybe what goes viral is, oh, that chain of people paying it forward went 15 Or cars Shaquille O'Neal like pays for... 
you know, someone's wedding or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember who it was who paid for somebody's, uh, I think it might have been Drake who like paid for somebody's college tuition because some, yeah. somebody randomly asked for it. I'm not sure if it was Drake or if it was somebody else. So these stories go viral and I think they make people feel good. But I think if we're going to build a sustainable business, it's like, well, what is the data behind what happens when a pay, pay it forward experience enters into a coffee shop? So that's what we were creating through these different experiments was we kind of game the system to be able to uh, create pay it forward experiences in coffee shops and, and examine and create some data behind, okay, well, what happens to tipping when that takes place? Uh, what happens is that person pay it forward to the next person? What happens in terms of advertising, for example? Does, does word of mouth advertising go up and go down? And what was really interesting was that we were able to come to the conclusion that when generous dollars enter the ecosystem of a business, they have this magically multiplying effect. It's kind of bizarre that almost everybody wins. A lot of times in business it feels like you know there has to be a winner and a loser. When generosity enters the, 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 the picture, particularly fun generosity because there's 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 less we can talk about it there's really crappy expressions of generosity like what uh i i think i think in particular it's when somebody feels pressured to give and they don't want to but the social uh interaction is so awkward and so pressured yeah they resentfully have and we'll to get to this question of nonprofit and all that do you sure. feel like that's a little bit of the pressure that comes with a lot of the not propaganda, but advertisement with the nonprofit world? Uh, I think it's probably diverse in terms of okay. its expression. Um, sometimes yes, sometimes no. I mean, what I think, in, for example, when a, when a coffee shop or a grocery store comes to mind, you know, when you're, ch- I think I referenced this in a prior episode, but you're getting ready to check out and somebody at the register asks you loudly and awkwardly with a giant shining iPad that everybody behind you in line can see, hey, do you want to give money to this particular cause? Uh, and to be honest, a lot of times you don't even know what the cause is. You haven't heard of it. And you're in a rush and you're just trying to move on with the day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or even to be honest, I've, I've experienced it here in Denver where somebody's like, do you want to round up for charity? Now for me as somebody who wants to be thoughtful about the generous dollars that I've pre-planned to give away, I have like seven questions about where that money is going, but there's not the space. There's not the environment. I've got four kids. So, I mean, I'm usually with one of them at some time, they're ready to go. They're screaming. They want like a Snickers bar, right? (laughs) I'm just trying to get through that experience as quickly as possible. So, because I don't want to push the like backward button on the iPad. You just do it. I just do it. I just do it. And it's not an enjoyable experience. So, so that's, that's not what we're talking about is sort of tricking people into being generous. I, we actually have a higher view of people to say that that people really do, on the whole, want to make the world a better place. I think when you really get to know people at a soul level, they want to make a difference. There's just a lack of enjoyable opportunities to actually do so. So when that happens, when enjoyable pay-it-forward experiences take place, I think that is people are so impacted by that and desire to continue that a generous dollar entering the ecosystem of those businesses is beautifully multiplying and it feels like everybody wins. The customer wins because they had a great experience. The person working the register wins because tipping goes up. The business wins because world word of mouth advertising. Like one of the stories I, I, I think about is uh, we partnered with a local coffee shop next to where I live now. It's funny, my neighborhood Facebook group is toxic. Like, super, like every neighborhood Facebook group that exists, they're all toxic, right? And, um, you know, it's just people posting about somebody's dog barking or somebody yeah. who left, you know, it's just, it's just, it's tense yeah. in that environment. 
And I was I was getting ready to go into work one day, and my wife sent me a screenshot of our neighborhood Facebook group where somebody was describing the uh, the experiment, the generous experiment that we uh, no set up. Yeah, total stranger. That's amazing. Who posted on our neighborhood Facebook group? Hey, I just went to it's called Fox Dog Coffee. I just went to Fox Dog Coffee, and somebody paid for my drink, and it was amazing. And it was funny because almost every other post on our Facebook uh, neighborhood Facebook group gets like maybe a like, maybe two likes, maybe a comment, maybe two comments, and it was just cynical and bitter. This had like a hundred interactions. That's amazing. With it. And I just thought to myself, this is infinitely more powerful than any other expression of advertising. Like this is actual, truly impactful yeah. advertising. And it came from somebody's like $3.50 drip coffee, Free coffee getting paid for yeah. it. Those experiments at these service-based businesses are super, you know, it's super great, uh, exciting. And I was just curious if you guys have any plans to test the waters in non-service-based businesses like a headquarters of Apple or any other corporation that, you know, isn't outward facingly servicing yeah. and uh, selling a product to sure. to outside guests. Yeah, we would definitely hope so. And we have a lot of plans in the work. I mean, I think that if you study the trend of corporations, you know, they, for a lot of good reasons, are trying to become increasingly socially conscious. Uh, but on top of that, consumer, not just consumers, but employees are becoming smarter of like, hey, this cannot just be sort of a feel good corporate statement. There actually has to be some genuine execution as it pertains to this. So that's that's definitely one of the things that we're trying to study and wrap our mind around is how do you come alongside a corporation that desires to be genuinely, thoughtfully, impactfully generous, not in word only, but actually in execution. And how do we empower that uh, to actually be, in a lot of ways, I think we see ourselves as specialists to help a corporation execute on that vision. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, if you had to boil down kind of two or three learnings from the experiments you guys have run, what would you what would you say are some of your biggest learnings? Uh, I would say one, what what I what I already mentioned is that joyfully given generous dollars entering the ecosystem of a business have a multiplying impactful uh, a, a multiplying impact. I would say two, generous dollars entering the ecosystem of a business creates an intangible benefit that has tremendously tangible benefits. In the experiments that we did, and even talking to people who own you know, uh, QSRs, quick serve restaurants, and things like that, every almost everywhere around the country is trying to figure out how do you hire people, retain people, create you know, work experiences where they actually enjoy working. I mean, even just a social environment of tenseness where you know, people are getting yelled at and, and all the time. And so you know, a lot of businesses are, stu are struggling to staff, and they're struggling to retain, and that's really expensive for a business. Uh, you know, I talked to somebody who owned a, a multitude of five guys in the Midwest, and I think every time that he has to replace a manager, I think it costs them thirteen thousand dollars or something like that. Okay, that's that's just on you know yeah. just in terms of the transition. Someone going, leaves, you need a new one. Thirteen thousand dollars, yeah. thirteen grand. And I think the ability when generosity enters the ecosystem of a business, you know, the the tangible benefits of the intangible sense of satisfaction that somebody has with their job, or to be able to experience somebody. Uh, having an experience like I observed one of our MVPs. I was just in the room. People had no idea that it was that it was me, but I was just trying to kind of quietly observe. And I witnessed this interaction where a barista gave the good news to a customer that her uh, coffee had been paid for, and the customer says back to her, "This is the best thing that's happened to me in a really long time." Just a cup of coffee. Yeah, that 
which is highly intangible, right? How do you measure that? How do you put data around that? But being able to kind of spy on that and and see that face-to-face interaction where both people are winning and the way that I, I talked to that barista afterwards and hearing her unpack that, exp- you know, that's an experience unlike any other experience she's having. Okay, that creates for her a sense of satisfaction, loyalty to where she works, where ideally she's retained uh, much longer than a typical barista and the turnover that would go on there that leads to tangible benefits for the owner. I mean, everybody wins. I'm curious, from these experiments, where do you guys see that directing you, whether it's technology or products, are you thinking like pay it forward, round up technologies? What what drives you from those experiments now as you look to the roadmap of the next couple of years with AGC? Sure. Where are you guys going? So, I mean, I think one is just... Uh, we believe that there's a space for legitimate technological innovation to uh, create uh, much more uh, enjoyable and empowered and frictionless experiences of generosity. So we've been doing a lot of learnings as it pertains to that, and we're not sure particularly what the expression of that is. You know, there's again, there's a lot of things in the works that I don't. I'm, I'm careful not to be too yeah. explicit about. But I think that we see that there's technological innovation that's that's happening, and even some repurposing of different technology uh, technologies that can be really used for the sake of helping people, you know, make making people helping people uh, as easy as possible. I think the other side of it too is the, the you know the creation of different physical goods and uh, even like a legitimate marketplace to help people execute on giving excellently is something that we're really passionate about. Again, I think this is one of the things when you get to know people, people love giving good gifts. The The psychological reward of giving something excellently is infinitely more powerful than buying something for yourself. Yeah, There's so much data yeah. around this. And I think for us, the creation of physical goods, a marketplace, a shop, an environment that uh, is trying to empower people to execute on that, because I think as much as most people aspire to that, the ability to actually do that is is low. Like I, I feel like I'm somebody who's like that as well. It requires a lot of work for me to give a good gift. And so I think that's part of it as well yeah. is is trying to empower people to do what yeah. it is that they I'm always to do. shocked when I love sending books, right? Yeah. Like it's just become my thing. And I'm always shocked at sort of people's reaction to just a good book. Right. Especially if you don't ask too many questions and you just somehow pick the right book that you know they're going to want to read right it's just like a ten dollar book but it'll go so far right um so yeah i i definitely resonate with like the power of a, a good gift right yeah i mean that's a great point i mean even uh, mason references and we gave away this book <clears throat> in our first episode but in predictably irrational by dr dan Ariely, he dives all into the the social psychology of gift giving and yeah ten dollars thoughtfully given is infinitely more impactful than $10,000 hoarded. Yeah, absolutely. If it's a $10 gift that's thoughtful and crafted and well done, it is amazing the impact that it has in somebody's life. Yeah. A lot of times, like the monetary value of a gift has nothing to do with the actual gift itself, like that feeling and the thoughtfulness behind it doesn't always equate to sort of the monetary value. Right, because the heart underneath it is what really leads to the yeah, impact. Absolutely. Is, hey, I see you. You are yeah. seen, known, loved. You're valuable to me. I'm thinking yeah. for you. I think that's a, a universal desire is 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 
is people want the people in their life that they love to know that they love them, but there's friction to get there. And a lot of times people just throw up their own hands and they're just like, oh, I'm just not very good at this. Yeah. Or they send cash or um, a gift card, or, a gift card yeah. or something like that. And, and there's all sorts of uh, psychological data around this. Uh, it doesn't have the same effect. It doesn't make the same kind of impact because it's in a different expression of currency than the currency of a gift. And a gift is uh, significantly more impactful when it's thoughtfully and intentionally given. So the thought of the creation of a marketplace that helps people do that uh, and empowers them to do that and to execute on the thing they want to do, but maybe just don't know how, is tremendously exciting to yeah, think about. I love that. So I, I kind of jumped in straight, like tactically into the business because yeah. I'm super excited about what you guys are building. I kind of want to backtrack now to a little bit like more personal. Sure. So first, what is kind of one of the most generous experiences you've had and how did that impact you and what you're doing now? You know, it's funny. I, I think back on when me, when my wife, Megan, and I had been married for probably about 18 months, we realized that she had a tumor. We were, we we, at that stage of our life, we lived off of, we worked five part-time jobs between the two of us. Wow. We're both in, my wife was finishing nursing school at uh, UNC Chapel Hill, and I was in grad school. And we made a combined $24,000 between the two of us in wow. those five jobs. And it was just one of those, it was one of those seasons of life where you're like, everything has to go perfect or we're not going to be okay. And then my wife finds that she has a tumor in her breast. So we go to the doctor and uh, she has to get it removed. And she actually got it, interestingly enough, she she went to Duke to, to have the procedure. And it was like, this is going to cost, I can't remember what it was, you know, but more money yeah. than we made yeah. in a year. I think it was like $50,000 or something like that. And we were just kind of a place of like our life is kind of functionally over. Yeah. You know, we, we've, like, we've now incurred debt that is twice what we make <laughs> in a year. Uh, she, you know, she can probably, she can, you know, maybe finish school. I'm going to have to drop out of grad school. Something's got to give. Figure this, like, figure this out. I, I had a couple experiences. One, uh, a friend, an anonymous friend actually, that I'm still not sure who it is, heard about it and gave us like $500. And um, it was somebody I was in school with, but I mean, you know, nobody in the grad school I was at was was wealthy. They didn't yeah. have five hundred dollars to give away, and it wasn't, you know, it was a drop in the bucket for a Compared fifty thousand dollar bill, yeah. right? But it was something about that experience of feeling seen, known, loved, valuable yeah. that kind of lessens some of the anxiety. Now, here's the second part: is that we appealed to Duke to say, would you forgive some of this? Or we just don't have the money to pay for this. And they covered it all. Shout out to you. Uh, Shout out to Mason's, <laughs> Mason's alma mater. <laughs> I know. And, my, and they did it for a UNC student uh, too yeah, as that's well. True. And, um, and so that was just a, a significantly kind of alter, you know, because if that hadn't happened, the next decade of our life could have been trying yeah. to come out from, from under that debt. And uh, it was, it was an incredible experience. I think it's funny what came to my mind is a little bit awkward because you're interviewing me, but you're a great gift giver. And I think about how I was transitioning out of my last job into this and you gave me money for like great clothes <laughs> as I transitioned <laughs> yeah. into this job. And I just thought that was such a, uh, a thoughtful gift. I think about that a lot. <laughs> and even anytime I wear those clothes, I think of you. I think of you. And so I, that's I'm, awesome. I'm, yeah, I'm, that's that's what came to my mind. Well, I mean, you know, I, you guys talk a lot about where the future of agency is 
potentially head in. There's different avenues and stuff, but super pumped and glad those, uh, that those dollars yeah. went a far away. Yeah, I mean, Ma- Megan's story, that's just like this powerful, yeah. this idea of remaining anonymous, you know, that what you just shared about that friend who gave $500, even though it was like a drop in the bucket. You know, I know you and Mason have talked a little bit about it, but from your perspective, what do you see is like the power of anonymous giving? Mm-hmm. Well, one, I mean, when when giving it can be anonymous, it it does encourage a whole additional segment of the population to either give for the first time or to give much more. I mean, the reality of a lot of nonprofits is as soon as they get your information, uh, you're going to be on a mailing list forever. And there's smart people who are aware of that. And they just say, okay, it's just easier not to give. Or, you know, for whatever reason, you know, even if it's in the room, so let's return back to the MVP where you're in a coffee shop and somebody wants to have a pay it forward experience. I think there are a lot of people that would love to give and create that experience for somebody. And it might be a stranger, it might be somebody in uniform. Uh, Like for me, with somebody with four kids who are little, anytime I see uh, somebody else out with their little kids, I'm like, man, you're doing it. I would love to help you feel seen and, and valuable. But because maybe my kids are with me or their kids are with them, or I don't know if it's gonna be awkward, or I just don't have 10 minutes to get into a conversation, or it's just been a long day of talking and I just don't have the emotional bandwidth for 10 minutes of conversation. I just wanna help them. That's all I wanna do yeah. is I wanna help them and I want them to know I see you, you're valuable, and you know, paying for their meal is a radically differentiated generosity experience that I'm gonna have in any other kind of expression of that. I just wanna execute on that and they don't necessarily need to know who I am. Or here's, I think, to me, the saddest thing is a lot of times a high-profile person gives, and what's on the other side of it is critique. Absolutely. Right? Why didn't they give more? Why didn't they give more? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, they only bought that one person's meal. Why didn't they buy the, the, yeah. the, the meals for the entire I restaurant? I bet that's one of the biggest oh, yeah. issues. Which is, I mean, that just and speaks sad. to- I'm 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 a, I'm a big, I, I hate cynicism. So like, it, it makes me really, really sad. And you know, and again, then somebody justifiably is like, it's just easier not to do anything at yeah. all. Whereas anonymity it unlocks for somebody, hey, I can, I can do what I want to do. I want to help this person, but I don't have to get blown up on Twitter because all the, all the yeah. reasons that people get blown up on Twitter. As you guys build, who are some, whether it's entrepreneurs, athletes, individuals, could be anybody really, that you are sort of looking up to as really good examples of generosity? And is there any tangible businesses that you feel like you complement or anything like that? I mean, we're, we, we've been in an intentional season of learning and we've talked to so many different people. There's so many different people we could reference. I feel like a lot of them are people who've ended up on our podcast, you know, or people that I'd, uh, you know, even were, were referenced to us. And, you know, so for example, Ben Higgins, who um, runs, you know, Generous Coffee. And from The Bachelor. And from right. The Bachelor. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to, I'm not, I'm trying not to, like. <laughs> Poor I'm, guy. I'm sure, his, I'm sure his whole life is like being introduced that way. And I'm like, no, he's, but, yeah, he's a he's generous so coffee. much more than the guy right. from The Bachelor. But, you know, for him, you know, knowing that he has a heart similar to ours of, you know, he calls it for purpose, right? So he's trying to make money. Uh, he's, he's, he's saying we're not a nonprofit. That's the same thing with AGC. We're not a nonprofit. We can talk about that. There's yeah. some intentionality that comes in that. And even just talking to him, you know, he was super gracious. We had that episode, but then, you know, when we were offline, he was like, if you ever want to talk or I've you know, been trying this for five years, do you want to learn about this? And it was like, you know, the following Monday we were talking and learning and 
hey, what does it look like to be for for profit, but for a purpose and to try to make a difference? I think somebody else who comes to mind who is not, uh, he does not have as many followers as uh, Ben Higgins and did not have his own TV show, but has been like really instrumental in what we're building is a guy named Ken Denman. Uh, Ken uh, lives here in South Denver. He uh, founded a company called Emotion that eventually created the technology that unlocks your uh, iPhone with your face. Wow. They sold to Apple. Yeah. And he is just somebody who, uh, I mean, sits on the board of Costco, I think Motorola as well, has obviously done a lot. But he has just been an incredible voice to think about how do you wed together maybe a, a nonprofit heart with a for-profit strategy for the sake of maximizing impact. And particularly, he's brilliant as it pertains to technological innovation, you know, given yeah. his background, yeah. <laughs> and learning from him as well. He's somebody else who's been really, really uh, instrumental in what we're building. That's awesome. Why have you guys chosen a B-for-profit when it seems like the easy route would almost be to become a nonprofit, but then also simultaneously, what is your relationship moving forward to nonprofits, and what's that synergy look like? So at the heart of why we're for profit is we believe that is the quickest path to the most significant impact. But I know that world really, really well. I've helped people start a lot of nonprofits, have volunteered a lot. Of I mean, I've lived in the nonprofit world and there's a, there's a lot of benefits. We want to help empower, you know, some of this technological innovation. We dream of creating solutions that help nonprofits, you know, fulfill their mission quicker, bigger. Better. More efficient, yeah. yeah. But I think for us as an organization, you know, I think one of the, one of the downsides of nonprofits is a lot of times there is uh, an instability and a lack of resources that prevent the organization from reaching its full potential. And I think what we feel like, kind of to the point that that Ben has made and why he's landed on that in the same way, is doing something that maybe has a more traditional nonprofit heart, but doing it strategically, ambitiously for profit, empowers us as an organization to maximize our impact as a consequence. That's awesome. So pumped on what you guys are building. As people continue to follow along, how can they get involved? Are you guys doing more experiments? If someone owns a business and they want to try an experiment with you guys, is that something you're open to? Yeah. Can they do it? How do they reach out? Instagram is the platform that we put yeah. the most content out on, and that's just at agc.future. But the, the short of it is, yes, we'll talk to anyone, everyone. We're experimenting, we're dreaming, and we're stepping towards executing. And so if you want to be a part of that, you can always email me, Brian. I'm Brian with a Y, B-R-Y-A-N, <laughs> at helloagc.com. And kind of open to any anything and, and everything if it feels like it uh, aligns with our mission of of creating a more generous future. That's amazing. All right. Uh, what's your next basketball game? When do you see Mason? Uh, I will. I, I think that you know the Clippers will be in the playoffs, so we'll see who they line up with, and I'll either get to L.A. or it depends. I mean, or I mean, there's a good chance that the Clippers play at the Nuggets, and then I'm just at every That's every amazing. game <laughs> at that point. <laughs> and I'll be. I want to make explicit as much as I love the city. Uh, I will be I'll be supporting. The yeah, Clippers. for those who listen to the end, you, let's clarify: you are a Clippers or Nuggets fan first and foremost. That's probably the Can most controversial thing I've been asked in a long time. Uh, 
I'm a Mason Plumley fan first. Oh, very political <laughs> answer. <laughs> yeah, That's a great that's right. answer for your co-founder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, one more bonus question for yeah. anyone who's still listening. Yeah. Uh, what's been the biggest challenge and most rewarding about co-founding a business with an NBA player? Uh, what's most rewarding is Mason is the real deal. I think that you get around certain athletes who you know, have their hands in a lot of different things and there's a lack of intentionality or thoughtfulness. And that's not the case uh, with Mason. He's super involved. He's very supportive. He's, I mean, as you can tell from his episode or anything, time he chimes in, he's extremely intelligent and thoughtful yeah. and has a full life outside of basketball. So I learn so much from him. I enjoy him relationally. You know, I think in this season of life, you recognize that the quality of life is inseparably interconnected to the enjoyment of who you're sharing your life with. And I love sharing this experience with Mason, not because of his giftedness, but who he is yeah. and being able to experience him uniquely. On the human level. Yeah, just... on that on that way. Like this is this is a genuine overflow of, of who he is. The, the challenge piece is that we're trying to do something truly innovative. And that sounds really sexy until you realize there's just a different degree of difficulty when you step into a place of innovation. We're not just trying to open another burger spot or something like that. I'm not I'm not yeah hating on that. I'm just saying there's there's a there's a clear roadmap if that's something you're trying to do. We're trying to do something that's really unique and really impactful and also is a very successful business at the same time. So that there's just a degree of difficulty there that has its rewards but has its challenges also. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. I mean yeah. this was this was so good. It's it's awesome. Uh, and uh, yeah, stay tuned to more episodes after Brian, I believe. And uh, let's cheer on Mason or yeah, don't cheer your hometown team, Brian. Yeah. You gotta cheer Mason. You got it. Uh, sweet. Thanks. Thanks for doing a great job hosting. Yeah, absolutely. Cool.